1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and I hear myself echoing. Is that you, Matt? Are you echoing? Yeah, me. You're good. All right. Well, to me and Matt show again, it's Kofi and Matthew Aguilar. Um, our co-host, Janelle Wheeler, is done her honeymoon but you know ever the workaholic Janelle has jumped from her honeymoon in Hawaii over to San Diego so she can represent for TwitchCon so right now for all our Twitch viewers thank you uh Janelle is representing for you and the whole Twitch brand out there in San Diego at TwitchCon right now and as always we wish her all the best while she's out there getting it so have a good time okay <laughs> and uh get that Twitch love so yeah. And yes, yeah, so some people have already, you know, we have a dedicated fan base here. You guys noticed the change of scenery. Yes. Uh, I hit the road this week. I had to leave Nashville. I had to come and, you know, when you get married, you have a whole other side of your family. You eventually have to see. They eventually track down. <laughs> so I took a road trip with my family and I am up in lovely Pennsylvania at my in-laws house. Shout out to my in-laws. Uh, thank you for the hospitality. And I have a whole bunch of nieces and nephews up here through my wife and, gotta love it they stream and they got a ring light here their setup is like one badass than mine like yeah i got nice. a ring light for the first time ever getting all those skin tones in
2: nice all right i wow. need one of these for the you know, <laughs> studio oh man i really want uh, when you said uh honeymoon i really wanted to sing let's get married there it is you're welcome
1: <laughs> we okay so there you it. have it matthew aguilar is building yeah, no, we can't. Yeah, we can't afford any of that. Yeah, I don't know what you're doing. So, Matthew Aguilar is in the building. And, uh, yeah, we got a stat show. So, let's get to it because, uh, yeah, there's a lot to go through. So, as we are recording this right now, we have boots on the ground in New York City uh, for NYCC. They couldn't afford to bring your boys at Comic Book Nation this year, but next, maybe next year we're we'll working to the budget. We'll see. We'll see. That's a, that's a Jim Viscardi question. But, uh, uh, truthfully, I had stuff to do this year. So, I, I wasn't minding sending this one out. But, uh, Love to NYCC. Fun fact, I used to live right behind the Javits Center or right in front of it, rather. And so this was my most favorite con because it was literally like I could leave my apartment, go con, walk back to my apartment, chill, go back con again. It was great. So NYCC is happening right now. So we are here to kind of break down what is happening with it. Like, what should you care about? What do we care about? And then we are going to review some spooky stuff. We're going to both do Werewolf by Night. I'm going to talk a little bit about Hellraiser. We have our usual TV recap that's going to be a little bit faster today, but we're going to touch on things that are going on in Geek TV. Plus, we have comics and we have a special wrestling segment. So when we tell you guys that this is the show that does it all for Geek Culture, we are not kidding. All right, Matt, let's start right up at the top and go through this year's NYCC. So as we're recording this, NYCC had its first day Thursday not so much came coming out of that to speak of, but you know, some fun stuff. We the biggest things we got were, I think, trailers. We got a trailer for a very big movie yesterday. And uh we can start with that, why not? Which was the Super Mario Brothers movie, which stars a whole voice cast of Chris Pratt, Jack Black, Anna Taylor Joy, Charlie Day, everybody who's anybody working right now, you know, we got it. And we have this Super Mario Brothers trailer. And it's been highly anticipated since Hollywood's been trying to crack the Super Mario code for years. Not in that same, you know, Bob, rest his soul, Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo movie, live action movie. We're not trying to do that again with Dennis Hopper. Yeah, we're nobody's trying to do that again with a slicked back Koopa or a Bowser and things like that. So this is more faithful to the games. Obviously, it's CG animation, obviously, Um, Illumination Entertainment. But I thought this was a pretty funny kind of tone setter for what this movie is and for me ironically the least interesting thing about it was how does chris pratt gonna <laughs> sound mario which is it's gonna be okay it's like everything else chris pratt does since parks and rec right it's gonna be okay except i mean even for guardians it's like it's gonna be okay it's not gonna be horrible but it's just gonna be chris pratt i think he's entering you know ironically jack black is playing uh bowser but i think he's entering that jack black or seth rogan territory where people realize like if you're going to see movies with these people, you're just paying to see them. Right. And kind of do their thing. So, uh, I
2: mean, I, yeah. I, thought, I thought Jack Black probably did them like did Jack the Black voice, acting, voice acting. Right. Yeah. yeah that's like Jack most... Black did not sound like, oh, that's just Jack Black.
1: Yeah, I was going to get to that. But then I was going to say continuing the irony, which if you've never heard me talk seriously, there's only one law of life, people. It is that everything is ironic. So ironically, Jack Black is the only one who seems to be the one doing the most voice acting in this and doesn't even sound like his typical Jack Black, which was very surprising. Right. I mean, after Kung Fu Panda, you just figure they're hiring him to just Jack Black out (laughs) all the time. Oh, I do, too. It's one of my favorite. Yeah, somebody Uh, said, Alex Glean said, didn't even realize that was Jack Black. Yeah, that was Jack Black being Bowser. So, yeah, but the premise to me with Bowser and fighting the ice, the penguins and stuff like that, like that was all a good tone setter for me for what a Super Mario Brothers movie should be. Not just about the brothers, but the world, right? I mean, we were literally title games world. So it it was just funny seeing this take on how Bowser conquers things and does things. Um, The Super Mario part looks like Alice in Wonderlandy. And, you know, he's landing in toads guiding him as like the white rabbit. But that's not the most interesting part to me. But um, I want to see how they how they bring in the Super Mario Brothers in the longer trailer. And I hope to see more of Chris Pratt. I'm really curious about Charlie Day because you know you guys know I love it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Um, and I'm really kind of curious to see him as Luigi. So,
2: well, we did get that extra little bit at the end. Right. Uh, yeah, that was that was so good. I love look as a as a fan of Luigi's Mansion, I love that. I love that series. Okay, that was such out. a that was such a nice little ode, you know, to that. Would to get him right at the end. Uh, Toad was was fantastic. The the opening part, I just love the idea of actually having Bowser feel like the threat he's supposed to feel like because he's taking over all these <laughs> all these over like small cities and stuff. Um, but I number one, just on the Pratt stuff, I didn't mind the voice. I don't know what like it was always going to be this, no matter who did it. When the original voice, like when the the voice actor was not brought in from the games, it was always going to be some backlash. It didn't matter who it was; it just happens to be Chris Pratt. And so I was fine with his voice. I'm not like a you know person that's just like, oh my god, there's only one Mario. Like, and I now there are a couple people I am like that with. I'm just not that way with Mario, so I'm not casting shade on anybody for thinking that but i'm not that person so when chris pratt gets that little bit at the end where you actually get to hear some of the some of the voice i was like okay that's fine i mean you know i i'm cool with that as long as it's fun illumination does some of my favorite cg animation i mean i i love the minions franchise i love seeing like they do such amazing work so this world is just gorgeous off the bat. But I thought it was funny. I did not expect to like this trailer that much. Like I was not I'm not the biggest Mario guy, just in general. So yeah. the fact that this was good, like legit, and got me hyped for wanting to see this. That's a win. That's a win. Yeah.
1: I honestly thought this the trailer would have just been the part where Mario lands with Toad and then they go off together. I thought that was like all we I thought it was gonna, gonna cut off. Yeah, I thought I, I mean I, really I thought, thought it was that. all gonna be, I mean, but I thought that would be the whole trailer. Oh, like I, I thought. You going in i didn't know they would do this whole sequence with bowser at the beginning and i think we said because we've been doing this podcast now four years in this show four years and um i remember when it came out and it part two and we were saying like we like we hoped that they continue doing things like this trailers that show you like a little vignette story from the movie like a little sequence or scene um for it part two we said because it was so creepy how they did that scene where she where uh, jessica chastain goes to talk to the old lady and she's like walking around in the background naked. And then she comes running out before it shows you the trailer. Um, and this was kind of the same thing. And I love that because that's the way they used to do it back in the days of old school Hollywood. They would show you actual parts of the movie, like actual scenes of it. And then, right. you know, the dialogue coming over murder, intrigue, you know, a heart that cannot know desire, you know, and Ooh, all good. that stuff. Jeez. Oh, So, um, yeah, so this was a nice kind of way of to to kind of subvert expectations. And I'm in. Yeah, I'm I'm all in. I'm taking my kids to see this. We play Switch. Every kid who has a Switch, this seems like right up their alley. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm in. So,
2: yeah. And I, I did see Wario in the comments. Yeah, like I do feel like you have to save him for a sequel. Right, they want a franchise out of this. I'm, I'm almost. Positive. You're going the so, Sonic route. <laughs> yeah, you got <laughs> to do Wario, Waluigi. Gotta, I want a Waluigi. Okay, that's. Oh, that's I want to see.
1: I want to see Charlie Day. I hope that like they have to mirror themselves and yes. do their own characters. There's an episode of it's always sunny where Charlie meet. It's a clip show they do their own version, but it's about how reality can break down. So Charlie ends up having an argument with himself in this story, and Charlie Day. Two Charlie days is funny. So I hope we hear Waluigi. Oh my God, that would be amazing. Like, Please God, let that happen. Please let all right, so let's not get too bogged down. That was Mario Brothers. I mean, let's get bogged down because that was awesome. I was gonna um, say, that was like but, one of the uh, best things of the, <laughs> of the week. The other thing we got was the Velma trailer, which is the kind of Scooby-Doo spinoff that's gotten all this controversy because God forbid it's Mindy Kaling doing, you know, a Velma series in her own way. But uh I thought uh, Velma looked pretty, pretty funny. I like Mindy Kaling, and there's just some funny ways in which she's playing with Scooby-Doo mythos in this trailer that I, I kind of found very entertaining. So I don't have like deep thoughts on Velma. I'm going to watch it because I like Scooby-Doo and I don't mind what Mindy Kaling's trying to do here. But I know that Matt. Might have a massive problem with all this because why? Uh, why, you know,
2: why would I have a massive problem with all this? I mean,
1: Brown Velma, I know, I know how
2: you feel <laughs> <know> about this. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that uh, that's oh, really going to bother if me. If you guys are that's just <laughs>
1: listening to this, let's clarify before we get canceled. This show is is hosted by a black host and a brown host, and we are just joking, okay? So everybody just chill <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah,
2: no, I love. It. I mean, that was I didn't you know what's funny though? I didn't even think about that. Like when i was watching the thing but yeah that's it. that's a bonus point when we get a brown velma i'm totally up for that that's a that's a bonus point for it but yeah i think this one was more actually in line with like what you were kind of expecting from the mario trailer like it's just it's just enough to kind of give you an idea of what they're going for it's not really it's hard to get like a sense of whether i will love the series or not from this very small thing but i like the animation I like mindy i I liked her and other stuff as well, aside from the office, but I also adore her in the office, right so i i'm I'm down for this. I'm going to after Harley Quinn and kind of seeing what they did there. and I remember watching the first Harley Quinn trailer and like i was I was like I was excited, but like I wasn't I didn't think it would be what it ended up being. and now it's like a like it's a fantastic show, and I'm like, oh, I look forward to it all the time. so here i've I've learned. I'm not going to make any kind of, uh, you know, assumptions or anything until I actually really get to see a full episode. I'm excited. I'm, I'm down Yeah. For it.
1: I'm trying to think of what show. I, it's on the tip of my tongue. But like what show this reminds me of the animation style maybe fairly odd parent or something. Anyway, it's that kind of laney. I like the animation style. I like how they're playing with horror influences and actually like recreating horror scenes in this. The trailer makes me wonder: Does Velma get like killed in every episode of these
2: things? Because Is she the Kenny of Scooby Doo? Yeah,
1: <laughs> I hope not. I hope that's but, not. But it's thing. an origin story, so probably not. But that would be funny if it was like some weird kind of sitcom effect. Yeah, in Plus, I'm just, just kind of Scooby-Doo. like I love yeah. so. oh, me too. I grew up watching all those crazy Scooby Doo cartoons. Like the ones, man. That's how I mean. I have Harlem, Harlem Globetrotter goals because we oh, yeah, right. do. But um, yeah, man, you, this I mean, it just looks fun. It looks kind of funny. I, I, again, I would need to know more than what this scene right. gets. But I, I put it on something like it gives me like something like a Mike Tyson's mystery vibe. Like there's so much Mindy Kaling in that, like that. I just in the kind of humor they're doing. I just want to see more. But we'll see. We'll see. Velma, I am not against you. And uh, the yeah, James Gunn did do Scooby-Doo movies, which is wild when you really think about that. I right? keep
2: forgetting. I, yeah. I remember the movies, but I keep forgetting he actually did them. Yeah, right. Wild <laughs> stuff. I like, like those Freddy movies. Freddie Prince
1: Jr. Isn't that how Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar got
2: together? Freddie Prince Jr. Uh, Babies and, were
1: made from that Scooby-Doo and movie.
2: Those movies also had a wonderful Velma. Linda Cardellini yeah. was a great Velma. Oh, my
1: God. When you're Velma. In that role, like your third role is Linda Cardellini. You are firing on all cylinders. So shout and, out to James Gunn. And
2: a fantastic Shaggy, man. Like a casting was I thought casting was great on that movie. I'm oh, sorry. yeah.
1: No, no. Uh-huh. Those movies were good. Um, all right, Matt, before we get into a preview of what's what we're looking at for the rest of NYCC. Did you want to talk about your comic news? Oh, yeah. a <laughs> It is a, a comic con, guys.
2: Yeah, just a couple of things and more things obviously will we'll follow in the panels over the weekend. But, uh, you know, DC actually got a, a few out of the way. They announced their big event for 2023, which is um, the Lazarus, Lazarus Planet, which is actually spinning out from the Batman versus Robin series that we actually covered a few weeks back. Uh, the first issue. Uh, issue four of that is kind of what is going to set off everything for this next big event. This will be next year's big event, but uh, I'm sure we're going to see some some more teases and things like that. Essentially, the the volcano, uh, the Lazarus volcano, explodes, um, and because of all the stuff that's flying everywhere, all these like power mashups are going to happen. Heroes are going to get like different abilities. It looks like some are kind of kind of be combined in different ways. The artwork that you can actually check out the preview on comicbook.com. Uh, for your look at artwork and everything, uh, but it looks it looks fun. I I tend to be one who likes, who's a sucker for these types of events. You know these these events that like mash everybody's you know powers together and and change everybody. I mean, as an Age of Apocalypse fan and also Future State, I thought did this really well. There, I just there's something to that, right? Changing the timeline, changing things. Time no timeline things here, but powers and stuff. That looks fun, so I'm, I'm Superman excited. Superman
1: for- of Zen or uh, Ah,
2: yeah, oh man, we got Doctor Fate, Batman in red here, Red Hat,
1: Red Hat, Red Hood, Red Bonnet, uh, Red yarmulke. I
2: guess we can throw in there <laughs> <for> something flavor. <laughs> I, uh, look, uh, I do love. There's one in here. I I am very intrigued by Doomsday Martian Manhunter. There's a design on wow. one of these that Ooh. looks like that. That looks like Martian Manhunter. Red do-rag.
1: Ah, yeah. Really? Wow. That's
2: a, that's a good one, though. I'm amazed. <laughs>
1: that is good not already in. I would actually read that comic. Um, <laughs> we need more Black Heroes, right? So, yeah, red red, do-rag red is what I'm down.
2: Uh, and then in the Marvel side of things, uh, an announcement that will make Nicole, uh, comic books resident Namor, die hard. <laughs> Very happy. Uh, is that we're getting old man Namor. Um, we're actually getting, you know, the, the Marvel books have kind of played with this concept a lot, showing us this possible future Um, In this one, this is kind of a very like water world scenario. Like most of the, most of the earth is submerged. And so it's like a hundred years. Is it a hundred years in the future? And Namor is still, yeah, a hundred years in the future. He's still ruling over earth. Um, And it's kind of a look at this, you know, more seasoned Namor. Um, This is intriguing to me because like one of my biggest issues with Namor as a character, typically in the Marvel comics is like, I don't know, he's, There's a lot of times where like this guy was supposed to be ruling a kingdom and still acts like a pissed off kid. (laughs) And I get kind of like that, that balance sometimes is not maintained for me. So I very much tune out sometimes in the comics when that is, that aspect of him is kind of pushed. So this is, seems to be anyway the polar opposite, right? We have a very seasoned King. He's now ruling over the majority of the earth. I'm actually interested to see like how that character evolves. So that is also coming. Uh, which is pretty cool, and you can check out a preview of that also on comicbook.com. So that's comics so far anyway.
1: All right. Um, Let's see. We have a whole list of things that are coming to NYCC that we are excited about starting today. So we're just going to put you guys on to uh, some of them, so you can keep an eye on them, and uh, we'll probably be talking about some of the fallout from some of them next week. For sure. Uh, First up is Dan Harmon is coming to present Crapopolis, his new animated sitcom series. He and Justin Roiland of course do Rick and Morty Justin Royland spun out and did his own animated series, which is Solar Opposites, which is excellent, and has a Halloween special out now. You should definitely do that. We have interviews with Royland and a cast of Solar Opposite up with uh, you know, Turn Up Charlie. Ridgely did for us. Thank you, Charlie. Um, but Dan Harmon is doing his own animated series too, Crapopolis. And it's coming out next year, and they will be kind of debuting that. As we're speaking, Good Omens, you know, came back for season two. The prime video adaptation of Neil Gaiman's Good Omens is back with uh, David Tennant and uh, Michael. Um, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. Michael oh, Sheen. Michael Sheen. My goodness, man. It's just a
2: comic book's comment. <laughs> it is a big week for ankle wings.
1: Oh, it is a very big week for ankle wings. And ankle wings are going to be a thing this Halloween. You better get ready. Um. So Good Omens is coming back and they announced season two cast members. They just announced the release date like right before we came in here, which was I think I pulled it up. I did. Good Omens season two will be arriving in summer to 2023. Um, Chucky season two. We don't cover it, but Chucky is actually been an interesting show, even though we haven't covered it. We didn't get too deep in child's play lore, but they are coming for season two to kind of show that off the wheel of time and the lord of the rings to will oh, be wait before you to chucky
2: yeah here's the thing about chucky season 2 i feel like because liv morgan has said has is like a huge chucky fan and has wanted to be like a part of this show for a minute now that we're in season 2 can we make that happen can, can like we start a thing of like Liv Morgan needs to be on this show? She's been teasing there's like a big dream come true project coming for TV or movie or something like that. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is it. If she,
1: if she wanted to get killed by Chucky, I mean, it, it could probably happen. I mean, so no, I'm just that. saying,
2: let's, let's do our part to see if we can like uh, get that stream world, make that happen. So there you go.
1: Comic book says an avalanche suplex could put an end to Chucky. <laughs> But um, today, uh, the Wheel of Time and Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, are going to have their big uh, joint two-hour presentation. Uh, And it'll be the first time that the Rings of Power showrunners really come out and talk to people and and do the fan engagement thing, which should be be interesting. So I think I'll take this little moment to say, well, we'll talk about Rings of Power. Well, no, we don't. We don't have a trailer for it. So we're good. So Peter's fine producer Peter's yeah. producing today. And so I'm not going to throw him off, but we don't have a trailer for it. So I can, so I know you didn't watch rings of power this week, Matt, because we were busy uh, doing a whole lot of stuff, but uh, I managed to get it in and sneak it in. And yeah, going into this finale, like it's good. It's pretty exciting. I'm fully on board with rings of power now. Like it took a minute, wow. but even the hardfoots and stuff start to come around in this episode, you kind of finalize the fallout from last episode's massive, significant, kind of, uh, origin of a key location. And there's some other good things that, you know, Elrond and, and Doran, like their friendship, all that stuff kind of begins to come to a head and, uh, yeah, I'm in for the rings of power. And I think I'm in now because at the end of this first season is where you begin to really see how they're kind of touching on things that are going to be so tragic that you're watching like happy moments between characters now or big things they think are advancements, but you know they're going to not work out well in the end, and you're like, oh, that's kind of sad, or this or that, and so I'm enjoying it, so Rings of Power will be making its presentation on at NYCC today, and uh yeah, the latest episode I found very entertaining as well, and I'm kind of in for this show now, and uh it's now like, I'm excited viewing for it on Friday, so I'm hoping for a bigger, better season two, which is underway in Amazon's Really trying to get this thing, keep this thing going for all my Teen Wolf heads, Teen Wolf and Wolf Pack will all be kind of doing their thing today and kind of presenting Teen Wolf the movie, which is coming up. One thing I'm kind of sad that we're not there to see is uh, they're going to do an exclusive screening of Violent Night, which is director Tommy Ricola, who did Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters and Dead Night, which was the Nazi zombie movie in the snow or dead snow. Uh, the Nazi zombie movie he does. So he does these kind of weird zany genre blends and he has a new movie coming out called violent night. We just posted the trailer. It stars David Harbor as Santa Claus and it's, it's it's a Santa Claus diehard movie. That movie. Uh, Yeah. Right. And I mean, it's down to the puns. He's cracking cheesy puns. Like it's time for seasons, beatings and all that stuff. Like, Yeah, it's a great line, but it's Tommy Wirkola loves zany genre stuff. He never takes himself too seriously. And his work is always unique, and it's hard to sometimes place because Hansel and Gretel: Witch Hunters was this martial arts action meets, like, European folklore <laughs> movie. Uh, but it worked, and I love Jeremy Renner and Gemma Adderton and that. So they're going to do a screening of Violent Night at NYCC, and I got to tell you, inside baseball, like, con screenings are some of my favorites because it, it's such a motivated crowd. That people really do get into it. Con screenings I have, you know, really enjoyed include things like when they did uh, my one of my first NYCCs. They did the Wonder Woman animated movie. Oh, I know I'm dating myself. I know I'm dating. That's myself. so good. Like 2009. Such yeah, good and we movie. got to watch that whole movie, which is one of the best Wonder Woman, yeah. you know, things. Period. And so that was awesome. Um, this year I got to do Barbarian at a screening, which was really entertaining. For that horror movie that like nobody knew about, <laughs> people just wandered into this free screening we all did, and we're like, okay, well, I guess we'll check this out. And by the end, it was like, holy, sh- what was that? Oh my god! So, yeah, man, I, I think violent. Yeah, <laughs> CJ Dar. Yes, Violent Night sounds like it is going to slay at NYCC tonight. All right, so I'm mad to be missing that, Matt. This one's right up your alley tomorrow. Oh my
2: god, I'm so excited! Smallville <laughs> cast reunion. <laughs> Oh my God! It's so I, you know what's crazy. I've been talking about this show a lot lately, <laughs> like just in general, uh, and then I've, I've been listening to the podcast and stuff that uh, Rosenbaum and Welling have been have been doing. Everything. So I I am so. Um, someone actually put together a, a series of YouTube clips that is actually all of the moments where Clark reveals he's Superman to Lois, and like from all of the movies and all of the shows and the smallville moment is still one of my favorites like even when compared to like some of the great moments that are that are up there it's, it's one of my favorites so the fact that they're all getting together or a lot of them are getting together let's say uh Tom Welling Erica Durance, uh Kristen Crock and Jon Glover uh, will all reunite uh, on the stage to celebrate and i can't believe it's been 10 years wow. that you talked about making me feel old that makes me feel, <laughs> makes me feel incredibly old uh also that smallville spawned one of the best Pieces of the Crisis on Infinite nurse crossover, like that scene where you meet him in the future and they're married. Oh my god, so good! Anyway, I'm very happy. I'm I'm upset. I'm not there. I want to be there for this. That's what I want to be there for. So I have FOMO, which I just realized what that is like two months ago. What FOMO is?
1: Wow, your ass is old. All right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> moving right along. Uh, a couple other things coming. My Hero Academia. Season six, the anime is now streaming on Hulu and Crunchyroll, and My Hero Academia is one of the bigger things in anime, so they're coming to New York Comic Con. We'll be covering everything from season six, and you know we love that show. We should probably hype it. Well, oh, somebody Ooh, asked, well, Allison, Mike, Brad,
2: I know you, Brad. Really, they couldn't really? get the
1: furlough. They couldn't get the furlough <laughs> to get Allison Mack out of jail and to oh, a smaller reunion. Chill. Hurts, <laughs>
2: hurts, man.
1: Uh, Star Trek Universe will be there representing Star Trek Picard. Season three, of course, is bringing back, you know, I know a lot of you hate it, but uh, Star Trek Picard is bringing back the whole next generation cast for its final season. So, of course, people are going to be there for that. Um, Star Trek Prodigy is appearing as well. And um, funny enough, one of the first things I ever saw, one of the biggest panels at my first NYC was the day that it was on NYCC. Like I said, it was right behind my house and it was the day that the walking dead first premiered on AMC that wow. they had their New York comic-con panel that same year I'd seen their comic-con panel, which was empty. There was nobody in there except a bunch of people who loved the comic series who dressed up in a, in a whole line of zombies. But it was like Robert Kirkman, the show, you know, Frank Darabout and like two people in me, but by New York comic-con, it had gotten so much hype behind it that there, it was in the main hall. They did it. I, I can't remember if we watched the premiere episodes or not, And then we got to go home and watch the show and it was a big deal. So now the the walking dead is coming back and they're doing the final episodes of the series, which is a big full circle turn for all the fans at NYCC. So I'm happy they'll get to experience that.
2: Yeah. No, one of the best first episodes of a series ever was like this show. Like it's, I still will go back and watch that episode from time to time. And I kind of stopped watching the walking dead after I, I hung around a little bit after Grimes, you know, kind of exited right. And, Andrew, uh, Andrew Lincoln or whatever, but, um, I still will go back and watch that episode. I am excited for them though, to finish that story. That has me excited. I'm actually excited about the walking dead universe again. That's cool.
1: Wow. Unexpecting things that are happening today. Wow, I man. mean, yeah,
2: man, they got me excited again. Like you I cannot, said. you can't
1: protect her, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> Carl. <laughs> oh, Carl Carl
2: <laughs> Carl all
1: right um other things let's get through this because we gotta take a break but uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and it's going to be kind of getting a tribute uh for Halloween and her role as Laurie Strode and Drew Barrymore is going to be hosting it for her so that's a big deal nice. I would love to sit on that one there's also going to be a back to the future reunion with Michael J Fox and Christopher and uh, Christopher Lloyd uh, and they're doing Q&A uh, and that is going to be I mean, that's amazing, too. Like, that's pr- that's a pretty big deal. The thing, the fact that these are happening at the same time really is just giving fans a Sophie choice to F with their minds. Right. <laughs> it's like, are you more of a sci fi family friendly f- kid or are you a horror kid? Which which door are you going into? Um, yes, Halloween and Halloween kills are back in theaters right now because Halloween ends comes out next week in theaters and on Peacock. And we will be here with a review of that next week because we are getting spooky. I'm very um, the Muppets mayhem. You know, yeah! I love Muppets, and uh, the Muppets mayhem is a series that it follows the electric mayhem band. And uh, it's going to be kind of a funny, I feel like send up of the music industry. And, you know, I love Muppets and, you know, I love Muppet satire. So uh, I'm looking forward to this because, you know, woof, going to be good. Muppets. Uh, our boy Oscar Isaac is getting a spotlight panel on Sunday where he's going to be doing a Q and a talking everything from star Wars to Dune to moon night. And that could be interesting when it comes to things and updates about his projects. Right. So keep an eye on that. They're going to screen the Winchesters for all my supernatural fans. They're going to screen oh, the Winchesters pilot okay. on Sunday. Cause Sunday's TV day. If you know your con Sunday's always TV day. So Winchester's pilot will be screening. Uh, it's a, Sequel series to you know Supernatural, so we're gonna get to see that. I didn't even know these were still for sure here, but HBO Max is yeah. coming back. Doom Patrol and Titans are still alive. Our girl Diane Guerrero is actually on the cover of a Latin magazine for being kind of a icon now, so they recognize her from Doom Patrol and Orange Is the New Black and everything she's done. So yeah, there are HBO Max DC series are still kicking, baby. And they're Some gonna be, uh, hit the
2: uh socials there and uh looks pretty spiffy. I'm sorry, what you <laughs> say? Some of that Titans footage hit the uh hit the socials and it looks pretty spiffy. Nice, so pretty good man. I am talking Titan pumped. season
1: four and Doom Patrol. Uh, what
2: season three is it? Yeah, what doom patrol? Yeah, I have completely missed the boat on Doom Patrol, so I, I no, know. It's season three. Um. All right.
1: Yes. We also got the update for the HBO Max side right before we came in that Harley Quinn is getting a Valentine's Day special, hey! which is uh, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty much at once. I'm sorry if we're overloading. Anything. <laughs> you guys, and you have to realize as we're saying this, this is a stuff from NYCC. We cut down to just yeah. the stuff we thought we should focus on. So this isn't even everything. Uh, and finally, the thing I had to mention and the thing I'm excited for, let's get weird. The, e- the weird Al Yankovic story. Oh, starring yeah. Daniel Radcliffe is coming out on uh, Roku on November 4th, but they're coming to NYCC and yeah, Weird Al is coming to NYCC and that was, you know, that's up there with like when Stan Lee would appear in these things, right? But you expect Stan Lee to be there. You don't expect Weird Al. So that's kind of a bonus. So shout out to uh, Weird, the Al Yankovic story and Weird Al. That's going to be do- That's gonna be good. Yeah. So that's what's happening at uh, NYCC this year. Um, yeah. Spawn's coming out. I mean, Todd McFarlane says there's something happening with Spawn. We'll see. I don't know, guys. I, I never say anything until we it's actually- happening.
2: It's all connected. It's all, all connected.
1: <laughs> but that's a small preview of what's happening on NYCC. We, uh, we sent Brandon Davis, Chris Killian, and Jim Viscardi out there to cover it this year. So they're in the trenches right now, running running now. And Richard! Richard's out there. Are you? Richard. Sure, producer Richard! So he's out there, and they're going to be kind of talking to all the stars. Um, doing a bunch of stuff and getting all the big scoops and all that for comic books. So keep an eye on our comic book homepage this weekend, because a lot of NYCC stuff going down. All right. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we still have to do just a, a little bit of touch up on some stuff. We're going to talk about reviews of werewolf by night and Hellraiser. We'll blow through a little bit of TV recap. There's not too much to focus on this week, except, you know, of course, share she, Hulk and daredevil doing it. And we definitely got to talk about that. And uh, we get to wrestling and comics. So be back because we got a lot more to come.
3: Get iXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off iXL membership when they sign up today at iXL.com slash audio. Visit iXL.com slash audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
1: All right, we are back. This is Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture. We just broke down a whole bunch of stuff about New York Comic Con and what all we've seen from it and what all we hope to see from the rest of it. We're going to move on right now and jump into our re- big reviews of this week. Um, I'm going to go first really quick because I don't have a trailer put in for this so we don't need any media but uh, the new Hail Rate Hail, Ra- Hail, 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 Hail Razor The new Hail Razor movie is out now, I believe on Hulu uh and It is something that we're going to talk about real quick here. Um, Basically, the new Hellraiser is just a remake of the original concept with some kind of different flares thrown in. But I thought it was okay. Uh, I've never been, and I will say this right off the bat, I'm a big horror fan, okay? But I'm not the biggest Clive Barker fan. I think Clive Barker is kind of like that 70s, 80s, update of hp lovecraft for the modern times and i like a lot of clive barker movies i love like in the mouth of madness the original hellraiser but i don't like them as movies per se i like them because i believe clive barker is one of the best horror minds in terms of imagining horror and creating horror concepts since lovecraft um you know alternate dimensions these beings like the Cenobites and stuff like that, I think are all very well inventive, but I don't think like the actual movie Hellraiser has ever gripped me as like a visual story that makes me want to go watch it over and over again. It's just, you know, we knew what the Cenobites could do. We knew Pinhead and they've spawned all kinds of spinoffs, interpretations, fashion influences, horror influences and all this other stuff down to like Rick and Morty doing a whole episode with basically Cenobites who get amused by watching Jerry be awkward and and cringe, right? So, you know, Hellraiser made its mark. I think that the new one can't overcome the challenges of translating Clive Barker's story again. These beings from this weird alternate dimension who explored space, went to such extremes, got this weird fetish for pain and all this stuff and now can draw people in through this box as sacrifices and do all this weird stuff to them. It's a hard thing to show as a movie, right? Without dipping into just straight up torture porn or a, or weird kind of hardcore S and fetish eroticism. But to his credit, David Bruckner, who is kind of a up and coming talent who's done, you know, VHS. He was one of those VHS guys. Um, who did hey, that?
2: They, I, I found that. Yeah, no,
1: it was good. But they mined so much talent from that, right? Like they got so many new horror directors came out of doing that. He did the Signal, um, which was a cult hit horror thing. He did Night House and The Ritual, um, but which are all kind of like The Ritual was a weird one, and he does like very weird kind of uh, stuff. But um, yeah, this is pretty much okay. It, it's an okay reinterpretation of basically what Hellraiser is and Bruckner kind of really borrows a lot from a nightmare on Elm street to kind of convey what these beings do because they essentially just kind of invade reality and then suck people into these other dimensions and then where they just disappear and then they get tortured and all that. And I'll say Hellraiser isn't torture porn. They don't go overboard with these scenes of like people getting their flesh peeled and stuff like that. There is enough of it to be gory and creepy, but where, where, It should be. And I think he does enough to convey like what the Cenobites are and what they do in a competent way to get you to understand and appreciate the concept. And I think this will spell on more fashion, more kind of gothic imagery, more cosplay and all of that because of the way they realize the Cenobites. And, you know, the main Cenobite pinhead one is played by uh, Jamie, by um, Transactor. Jamie Clayton, who was in Sense8 and a whole bunch of other stuff and is excellent as the this version of Pinhead, who is described in Barker's original thing as being this more weirdly androgynous kind of being. Um, and so that's all good. But the main story with the human characters and all that, none of the human characters are particularly likable. All the actors are kind of OK. They're all kind of playing thin caricatures. Um, for the most part, and all of that is just kind of muddled and confusing as a story, but no more so than the first film, which had a guy who got shredded by the xenobites, then got brought back as a human, like melting corpse and had to get like his sister or lover, I forget which to kind of keep sacrificing people so he could get back to being whole again. Um, Yeah, it's no weirder than that premise because it was like literally a guy melting in the attic, like looking out the door at the woman as she's trying to make the moral decisions of whether to lure people up there so he can kill them and, you know, absorb them and get healed himself. So it's as weird as the first movie. The first movie looks really dated. It looks because I watched it. It was on Pluto one night. Shout out to Paramount's Pluto TV. Um, Yeah, it was on Pluto and and, and it doesn't look good and it doesn't hold up well. It's just a weird movie. Um, So I think this one is going to help convey to people what this whole mythos is for a whole new generation. And it's at home on Hulu. It's a safe watch, but it it doesn't make Hellraiser any better. And I don't know if this is ever going to be like a successful, great movie, because, again, it's a hard thing to kind of try to put into a cinematic story. Like as a short, it would be great as a person who finds this box and gets sucked into this horrible dimension with these beings that are going to torture them and play with pain and pleasure. But as a whole movie, it's hard to do. So it's an okay watch at Hulu at home. So that's what I would say about Hellraiser. Now let's move on to something more exciting. Let's talk about werewolf by night. So, Marvel's Werewolf by Night is out on Disney Plus is the first of the Marvel Studios special presentation content format, which means it's basically long. It's about as long as a high grade TV episode. I mean, Lord of the Rings is all nearly an hour yeah. every week, and this is 53 minutes. So I think that's good. But what special presentation basically means in this context is uh, I don't know how many people are writers are familiar with writing, but. There's, you know, you write novels, but you also write short stories and short stories are different than novels they are completely different writing forms. Right. A short story is one where you have to take a person and the trick is plunging them into a situation. Right. Not having you don't have the time or space to explain the full backstory, context, origin, characterization of everything that's happening. You've got to get people to get and follow what is happening and then be able to infer a whole lot more from just details of story dialogue, because the characters aren't going to talk like, let me explain to you what happened. They just talk as if they're in the moment and you have to right. begin to build what all what all led up to this situation and what's the importance of it by the end of the story. And that's a short story. You know, they plop you in what's called in media's race. And then you have to kind of build from there using key details and, and, and things you can infer to say. <laughs> what the larger story being told is. And that's what this special presentation of Werewolf by Night is, right? We get plunged into a very kind of milestone pivotal point in Marvel supernatural lore, which is the death of Ulysses Bloodstone and the passing of the Bloodstone. And like our favorite comic stories me and Matt talk about on the show, it's a simplistic premise. It's one night, a hunt, and whichever hunter wins, kills this monster, can physically take the Bloodstone from the monster. And become this new powerful monster hunter, and it's about who wins that fight and who ends up with the bloodstone, of course, and who the monster is, and this is all part of it, right? What Werewolf by Night does is, first of all, it shows you Michael Chikineo, who is an Oscar-winning composer of so many big movies. You know, I mean, most most recently the Batman he did. Um, he directs for the first time his own feature, and wow, talk about a first-time debut! If you yeah. got to do a first-time debut. Like, this one is a good one to do. He nails classic kind of universal monster movie style, modern horror action moments, because there is a lot of action and some some pretty significant gore and, you know, pretty explicitly, uh, you know, not gory, but violent things that happen. Yeah,
2: I, That's how I would put it, violent. Yeah, yeah,
1: violent, right? And so he handles all that action is awesome, including like a big final action set piece is awesome. All the kind of stylistic flares, the the Vincent Price of it all is pretty awesome in the beginning. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of great stuff here, and the cast is really good. Uh, Gael Garcia Bernal is fantastic as Jack Russell. Uh, Laura Donnelly is, I mean, Matt got everything he could want from an Elsa <laughs> Bloodstone, I think, right. Um, Sir Glean this is not it is a special presentation it's not a series it's not a movie it's just 53 minutes of this one chunk of story from this one corner of the Marvel Universe and we're not going to be it's not continuing it's just this one story Um, but like I said like a good short story it opens so many wider doors to what we can infer about there being an official kind of line in history of monster hunters in the MCU Thereby, just from the trophy wall, an official line of monsters in the MCU of different types, aquatic, vampire bat, you know, reptilian, like every kind of mythic monster you can pretty much think of. And a whole set of world and a world under the world and rules of monster hunting clans, you know, all this stuff that they all know, these rituals, these prayers and stuff. Plus, there's an entire history to each of these main characters that gets kind of inferred. Who Jack Russell is, he never really says that much. He's not a big epic backstory monologue, but you get the gist of it. His connection to other characters in the thing. And I'm trying to avoid a lot of spoilers. But um, how man thing fits into all oh this God. and there Elsa is Bloodstone is you get a lot out of this yeah, about really what's is. happened on this side of the MCU and what is going to happen next. Um, and that is masterfully done. Like that is really well done. It makes me think that Marvel really has maybe cracked open a a very important code to this franchise, which is, Hey, you know how we are kind of freaking out about like how to get to Mephesto through 50 different projects. What if we just tell a story about somebody who ended up with Mephesto made a deal. And then like, boom, by the end of this special presentation, we know Mephesto is able to be in the MCU um, and make it one more day with Tom Holland. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) Matt, uh but um yeah they just were able to tell this story about this pivotal this pivotal thing the bloodstone and and the next line of succession in it and it's a significant shift ulysses bloodstone being dead is significant because he was alive for so long and so him dying and this doing like we don't have to go into a ulysses you know series we don't have to do all that we can now just start moving on this marble so blade moon knight You know, anything they do with like Midnight Suns or any of these characters that we meet in this one coming together, like is already exciting to us. And yeah, yeah, that's masterfully done. So I was a big fan of Werewolf by Night. Uh,
2: Yeah, no, I I was like kind of I didn't know exactly what to expect. I didn't know how it would feel like I was excited because the trailers looked interesting and I was down for Bloodstone. Right. So I was like, if you give me Bloodstone. I'm going to give you a shot. And I'm so glad I did, because that was That was fantastic. That was like that. Fifty three minutes went by like nothing. Like it was so fun. I loved all. I thought they did such a good job, too, of like really investing you into these quirky hunters like they established them very quickly. I mean, you don't have much time to really get to know their personalities, but they come through and, you know, you're kind of questioning like everything right off the bat. Elsa coming in as the like, I haven't been here for a while, like all that stuff that's playing out right is really interesting. Um, You really do kind of get an origin story for her, but not in the traditional origin story way. Like this is the origin story that I kind of like, right, where it's very much you start midway. I don't need a whole movie filling in all the blanks from before this happened with Elsa. I'm good right here. Like, this is my, <laughs> this is my origin story. Let's move and get to, and get to being who I, I love in the comics. Right. Um, so I, man, 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 things surprised me. I'm not the biggest fan of the character. It's not even like I'm a hater. I just, I just don't never really kind of vibe with that side of the MCU a lot or the MCU with the Marvel universe a lot. So I just didn't really know what to expect. Wonderful. I don't know how you come out of this, not being like, not wanting more of that character. You want to see more of that character, um, man. The black and white was so effective. The yeah, like you said, the soundtrack was fantastic. Um, so every so often, some of the action scenes, like specifically dealing with, um, trying to like avoid spoilers, mostly towards the that final sequence because you're really seeing. Um, it felt like, anyway, someone in a suit, and that was like it melded with the. Kind of old school presentation of everything So it was like I could ignore it But it did pop out at me a couple times of Like that doesn't look quite right And I don't know if Kofi you know what I'm talking about If you agree with me or not I'm trying not to spoil stuff But like there's a like It's just towards the final fight There's like one character That I don't know feels Feels like for me stuck out a little bit But it's just because everything else looks so good And it looked good I'm just saying like it didn't look as good As like some of the other stuff I don't know But that was me That's a very small nitpick I was. I I think. uh,
1: Well, you know, whenever you do something called werewolf, I always. I mean, this is why they don't make these anymore so often, right? Because it's hard. It is very hard to do a man wolf. Uh, It's easier to do a She-Hulk than a man wolf in a lot of ways, but um, yeah, but no, I mean, I think they saved it for the end. I think that's doing it in black and white definitely helped Mm -hmm. enhance the character. Um, But I think they're yeah, you're gonna need to do some work. But uh, you know, it's a special presentation. They don't got movie.
2: Right, so and it was a movie very movie. small. It doesn't look yeah. bad. I'm just saying it just, it just, there was a little bit of dissonance there. It just stuck oh, out yeah. just a little, you
1: know? Oh, yeah. No, there's, it's always going to be. But I, I've never seen, except for America, for John Landis and American Werewolf in Paris, like I've never really seen a Wolf movie that I've been like, oh, yeah, like there it is. Like that's a transformation and that's awesome. So, you know, we're, we'll keep going. Uh, we'll keep trying. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the consensus is easy. Go check out Werewolf by Night tonight if you haven't. This is a good speak spooky season. Friday night, weekend night, movie viewing—you are going to love it. All right, let's talk about TV real quick. Um, I said earlier I saw the last Rings of Power. I'm in on that House of the Dragon. Somebody asked about yes, we saw the last episode. I mean, I can't even say that much because by the time I finish the sentence, we're going through another time jump in the next episode. Yeah. And all those people like Amon that I was like Amon Targaryen, you crafty little bastard. Like he is going to be, it's going to be a different Amon, right? So yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for the trailer, Peter, but we know I mean, we're going to keep moving on because uh, yeah, we're looking forward to this week. It's a time jump again because we see Amond at least is going to have his eye patch and he's significantly older. He's a man now. And so we're going to go through another time jump. And I wrote a piece on comic TV asking is house of the dragon moving too fast. Some people think so, but if you haven't figured it out yet, this show is basically just doing a hopping, skip, jump through significant family events. You know, crownings, births, weddings, deaths. Those are like the events that we've gotten, right? And every episode has, in fact, been centered on one of those things. Like the time that somebody was crowned or or power changed hands. There was a wedding. There was a funeral or or a birth. So. I think that to get to things like the dance of dragons, which is what people are really here to see. It's an interesting pacing choice. Um, I think you could have maybe stretched out a little bit more, but it is what it is now. And by season two, I know we're going to be ending season one, setting up for dance of dragons in season two, which is where we'll get the kind of a firmly established line of actors, all adult actors and seeing them, all these factions kind of go out of it, go at it. But, uh, this last episode was great. Um, I, I've been really enjoying the show. Uh But right now, I got to say, I think they're pretty evenly matched Rings of Power and House of Dragon because House of Dragon has slowed down a little bit. Not badly, not in any kind of bad way, but slowed down a little bit while Rings of Power has kind of come up a little bit. So they're kind of evenly matched for me. But um, yeah, do you have any thoughts or can we move on to She-Hulk?
2: No, we can move on to She-Hulk. Yeah.
1: I think you summed it up real well. Yeah, She-Hulk, man. This week... A lot of Marvel bros are out here mad as hell. I don't know why, um, because they got Daredevil back finally, but it was comedic Daredevil. It was funny Daredevil. From, but I think we've established this, and if people are still not getting this, like She Hulk is a comedy, and they do this in Marvel Comics. Like we did Damage Control in recent weeks as comics. And so I don't know what we're doing here, but uh, yeah, She Hulk is a comedy. So things are going to be funny. And everybody who appears on that show, no matter how serious they are in their own thing, it's going to be funny. So yeah. Matt Murdock and Charlie Cox showed that he can actually be really funny. And like, it's okay for Daredevil to have some humor and Daredevil got laid. So awesome, you know, and it was less sad than the Netflix series. So <laughs> people are now learning, by the way, uh, that Daredevil see that when he comes out the next morning, people are saying Daredevil made the walk of shame, but there's an argument on Twitter by people who apparently don't know that there are two things. When you leave the next morning, there is a walk of shame and then there was the stride of pride, baby. What do you think Daredevil was doing? I'm
2: not not touching this.
1: <laughs> well, as Sir Glean so timely points out, there may be new reason why we know his name is Double D oh as a nickname. God, I'm not. I'm not. Nope. <laughs> no, no. <way>. So, uh,
2: <laughs> thoughts on <laughs> She-Hulk. Because once is not enough. Oh, no, stop it. Stop <laughs> it. Thoughts on She-Hulk. Um, I look, I feel like I don't even care about the like people that like are. I don't know. People have been called there's this faction of people that have been calling for Daredevil this entire time, forgetting that's like a She-Hulk series. Like it's not a Daredevil series. <laughs> Daredevil's getting his own series later on. So they were all mad that like it took this long to get him. And now they got him as well, he's he's comedic. crazy spoiler alert, he fits within the framework of the show. It's not like Gore, who feels like he's in a different movie than everybody else. He's in the show and he fits and he has the same kind of temperament, and comedic style, like flip. Duh. Like, of course, that was going to be the case. I like him. Those people are stupid. <laughs> yeah. like i'm sorry a logical argument and i'll give you the time of day but that's just stupid that's not what it is so i, I enjoyed it matt murdoch i i enjoyed it i thought it was he was great i i did actually enjoy that you actually got to see like a little bit more of that fun you know charming side to charlie cox like he got the flex you know you got the flex that a little bit more he was charming and funny in the original daredevil series as well but that series is just Innately darker, and he doesn't have as many chances no, to do that. It's so, kind of like gallows humor and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, it was there cool, no, There man. was a lot
1: like yeah, him just like flirting with Jen and Tatiana Maslani. They have great chemistry. Like they were they were funny together. Um, and it was great. Yeah, I have not I am not hating on one thing. Uh we found. we think we found out who Hulk King is, and it's that creepy guy that's been at the firm, or that's just another misdirect. We'll probably find out next week is a finale. I also loved I loved her breaking a fourth wall and saying, oh, we're doing this extra set piece. Oh God, does that mean the finale coming? And it's gonna be like either a Red Hulk I or I get episode. fridged. And I was like, oh my God. Like, it's just funny that you filmed that so long ago, but you perfectly called like yeah. where the Marvel fandom's mind would be at that point. Yeah, And it's just like half the people are wanting Red Hulk and half the people want her to get fridged. So, you know, we'll see. Again for but, frog
2: um, man. Oh yeah, yeah leapfrog. <laughs> Yeah, leaf frog. Go for leaf frog. Good for. I just love it. That's, that's and great. Uh, yeah,
1: the difference between goons and henchmen is important to note. That was actually like really relevant comic book talk right there, right? Like uh, a goon is just hired for the money, and a henchman is a true believer
2: in the cause. And I was like, oh yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. And also, if we don't get a ribbit and rip it shirt very soon, oh yeah, right. But yeah, She Hulk. I will say, I think She Hulk will end up generating the most. Merch. Merchandise. Yeah. <laughs> Between oh, a <yeah>. Von dude <laughs>
1: anything you you can make any now Marvel shoes or hats or anything claim it's Pug's collection. Yeah, like,
2: like there's thin. so many. Oh my god, there's so many. It's a great, yeah. great thing. So yeah, so that was I was all in on She Hope.
1: Yeah, and seeing Matt Murdock actually one up Jen Walters in the courtroom, oof, got me a little steamy. I was like courtroom drama oh at its
2: best. Yeah. Boom, boom. All right. Uh Matt, yeah, why don't you
1: take it over? Why don't we grab our special guest and get in here and uh talk some wrestling?
2: Yes, let's bring in Sir Connor Casey. How are you, sir? What's going on, guys? Do you like how the Sir I added the knighthood thing? You know, uh, you, about you know.
4: Knighthood. sometimes you have to acknowledge me, Matthew. Metal. Oh, there it
2: is. Acknowledge me. God, I love Roman Reigns. I love the bloodline. Um, so we're going to be talking wrestling because, of course, this weekend is actually so actually today is Impact Wrestling's Bound for Glory as well. So stay tuned for comicbook.com for coverage on that. And then Saturday is WWE's Extreme Rules pay-per-view. A lot of buzz over the last few weeks about what to expect from all this. Um, But I I know you wanted to kind of start with a a broader overview, Connor, on like this new era of WWE.
4: Indeed I do, Matt. And I, I could have come in here and talk about how in a month we have to pretend that Roman Reigns versus Logan Paul is a real match. I could come in here and talk about how we are officially six months since they unified the world championships and how it was Vince McMahon's last big mistake. But I'm not going to do this. I'm going to be positive today because (laughs) I went back and I looked at the Extreme Rules card from last year. Seven matches. But what do you remember from it? A lot of stupidity. I remember a non-finish to a Bianca versus Becky Lynch match. I remember... Alexa Bliss crying because Charlotte Flair ripped up her doll and then she tried to take an Alka-Seltzer and try to foam at the mouth. It didn't work. And then I saw what might be the worst finish to a pay-per-view in the last 10 years, making Finn Balor look like an absolute dork yeah. and killing the demon gimmick forever. You had so something funny. that could have been the next that's got to be Kane moment and you made it completely irrelevant. Yeah. But look at where we are now. Six matches on a Saturday night card. All of them have stipulations instead of just one. Thank, Thank the Lord. All of them sound fun. We get the fight pit for the first time on the mail. Yeah, we do. If not an NXT fan, that's one of the craziest matches they got right now. I want Triple H to make that his hell in a cell. Make that be, okay, we've had this feud go on long enough. It's got to end violently. And have it in the fight pit. I love that idea. And I love a former UFC champion to referee this thing to give it a little bit of legitimacy. And I, I have a hunch he might be sticking around for a little bit longer. But I think overall, just looking at this card, it's emblematic of Triple H is just a better booker than what Vince McMahon had been offering us for the past few years. And it. This is the perfect example of that. You could have talked about Clash at the Castle a month ago, but there was a lot of other things going into that. It was a stadium show. It was over in the UK. There was a lot writing on that being their first big stadium show in thirty years. Yeah. This is just a straight up pay per view, and Triple H is still hitting us with his fastball, and I really enjoy that.
2: Yeah. No, I can't look. I can't disagree with you. I you. I feel like anyone who's been watching the product over the past month, two months has seen a difference uh, even just in the, not even just in the returns, but just in the subtle changes. Right. I mean, the fact that we're like the fact that I'm getting a Finn Balor versus edge thing in here and I'm not worried <laughs> <laughs> is like the biggest thing. Cause I've been so worried every time Vince puts Balor in a position like that, I get scared, you know, it's just like, oh, no, I don't know. And here it's just, I mean, we're seeing the women's division treated like, you know, it exists again. We're seeing so many things, um, And actual just matches I mean right. geez when was the last time we talked About Seamus in this spot And we're getting I'm excited For the Brawling Brutes versus Imperium Because and of those yeah, yeah because of the work they have done With the Brawling Brutes and Sheamus, Keeping Gunther and Imperium Feeling like a big deal Not overdoing like they, there's a lot of work That goes into that and I care about this match And a year ago I would not have given Anything about that match So, yeah, And,
4: sorry, and, and it's emblematic of what he brought from NXT Because when we talk about this show We're just talking about how fun these matches are going to be We're not yeah. crossing our fingers and gritting our teeth And praying to whatever God you believe in That they're not going to do something stupid We're yeah. walking into this card with the full confidence That there's not really going to be anything stupid on it We're not going to walk away from it going God, that was a waste three hours
2: Yeah, and I agree with you on the stipulations I am so tired of cards With a theme and you have a match, two matches maybe with it. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. This fits. I agree with. So speaking of, though, uh, praying to whatever (laughs) God you you pray to and crossing fingers, we do have a big thing that's kind of looming over everything in Extreme Rules, which is the White Rabbit. Uh, They've been teasing all these things on Raw and SmackDown, all these QR codes, all these links to old Bray Wyatt promos and things he said. So everyone obviously thinks it's Bray Wyatt. And extreme rules would seem like the perfect place to start that process of unveiling. What do you think we'll see and what will you be disappointed if we don't see?
4: So the initial report that kind of pointed to extreme rules as this is the big reveal was a Fightful Select report that dropped a little over a week ago. Uh Sean Rossap, the guy who reported it, has since backed off a little from his sources. They've said this might be the reveal, but you might not even expect him to be in the building. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hoping for is some sort of reveal. I don't want this to just be another QR code that we spend the next 20 minutes afterwards trying to solve everything and Twitter basically doing it for us. I want there to actually be something and not just be, oh, maybe I'll show up on Raw. Maybe I'll show up on SmackDown. It's got to be Wyatt, and I don't know what form that comes in, but so many of the clues are so obvious that for it to be anybody else just feels like a massive blunder. And like we were saying earlier, I don't expect them to pull out the rug like that. Um, My whole thing with this is that when it comes to Bray Wyatt, the build has so often been better than the execution. Agreed. The build to the Firefly Funhouse, the build to his initial debut with The Fiend, the build to his match with Randy Orton at WrestleMania 33, all solid. But when the matches actually come themselves and we get that WrestleMania 33 debacle, we get their match where they fought in the abandoned crack house. We get the Wyatt Swamp fight. Like There's a reason that Wyatt has somehow been involved in what has been awarded as the worst match of the year four times, four times for a guy that's not that bad in the ring, but it's always about how the expectations in the build never match the payoff. Yeah. So here we are again, fantastic build, all these expectations rising up. Now you got to pay it off. Now, thankfully there's not a 70 some odd
2: year old guy calling all the shots now. Thankfully. What? Still got to pull it off. So. True. And it, it, the th- also the thing of note, too, is that, yes, it's not it's not a 77 year old man. Also, it is someone that thought him worth bringing back. So you do have someone that not just wanted to bring back the big name, but also believed enough in what he can do to like we're going to follow through with it. Right, because that was always the biggest thing with Vince. It, the big showy stuff always got all the attention. And then when it came time to like, hey, let's book him properly, let's have him win. And as Spiderface one-on-one points out, he has to win. That was one of the biggest things we've always talked about. He always loses in yeah. the worst spots. There's no reason he should be going down to Goldberg. There's no reason he should be going down to Seth and the hell in the cell. There's there's reasons, right? So I, I agree with you. I think. I think even put it in our predictions, which you should check out on comicbook.com, by the way, uh, is that I think it's going to be a reveal of whether it's the character's mask or face or something, even on a video screen. He doesn't even have to be there. But I think we're going to get some physical manifestation of, oh, that's who he's going to be. And then they'll follow it up with like, hey, you know, Raw will be the kind of main breathing space. That he'll start to get rolled out on, but I do think we get something. I if we get another chase this, I'll be bumped. Like I'll be right. this uh,
4: And there's not even a guarantee that it is raw that he's going to, because the QR codes have been showing up on both shows. Both, true. And all of the, you know, f- you know, Jefferson airplane song playing at the house shows, those have all been on SmackDown shows. It's true. And I, know. Smackdown I just is weirdly becoming rather crowded for a two-hour program. I pointed rolls. I Pointed this out the other day, there's like seven factions now, and we're about to get Legato thrown in there. Like, when yeah, did, we're gonna when get
2: Legato del Fantasma. When what?
4: did SmackDown become AEW, where it's the land of factions? I mean, you look, you love Dynamite. I do love Dynamite. What's wrong it with it? It has, this has lot lots of
3: factions, <laughs> it has a lot of factions.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you though. It is getting, cr- I just assume, because like. You know, SmackDown is the A show, but Raw still kind of gets treated as the A show. So I figured a big attraction like that might be on Raw, but we'll we'll see. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, so that's Extreme Rules. Anything else you wanted to throw in before we uh, head off?
4: Uh, everybody, go follow us over on TikTok. We are at Comic Book Wrestling. We are trying to build up the fan base there. We've got a little under thirty five hundred followers right now. Really? We'd like to see that hit five k. So. Uh, if you if you're on TikTok, go give that a shot. Myself and Liam Crowley have been adding a lot of stuff in there and we'll get Matt involved in on that here pretty soon.
2: We woo! Awesome. Thank you, Connor, for hopping on and uh, follow all our coverage on Saturday.
4: Better not
1: interfere with your comic book nation workload. That's all I know.
3: <laughs> Remember.
1: Uh, so speaking of pay we're, we're us the first we're moving we get the ours comics. first and then they get their cut yeah. wrestling <laughs> comic book nation wrestling ah,
2: Lord. cut. we're moving into comics uh real yeah, quick here so are. uh i hope you guys enjoyed that that was actually uh supremely fun so uh let's move into uh let's start with some batman uh Batman 128 continues the fail safe saga that I will I will call it. Um man, I I know there's Batman burnout but good lord, I'm just loving so much of like Batman stuff that's coming. I almost feel like I'm part of the problem. Like we're <laughs> like we're the issue. Maybe because like people keep buying Batman. So I don't know, it sells, right? Like they don't make stuff of themselves. So Batman 128 I I love this. We talked about this last time because it was kind of Taking ideas and, and seeds from uh, Tower of Babel, one of the best Justice League stories uh, that's out there. Um, and now we kind of see that even enhanced because we're seeing it's cool. We're kind of seeing that story through Batman's eyes, but Batman is an unwilling participant in this story. We're seeing the fact that he's watching, you know, essentially what was an idea of his younger self and very cocky and, you know, probably overly paranoid self destroying his friends. And, and this time though, it wasn't like him in the driver's seat. So he's watching all this happen and the justice league's getting involved. And uh, I also, you know, it's always interesting too to see like what writers can come up with as far as like how to take down superhumans, just a few, (laughs) just a few ways. It's always interesting to see how they kind of riff on that. So I, I love this issue. Again, there's just heart stuff, like the, the him and Tim Drake scene. There's a scene between Bruce and Tim Drake that's just fantastic. Some of that stuff is just great. There's a heart that really grounds it all. But uh, man, I love this. I don't know. I'm, I'm all in yeah, on Yeah, You this
1: want one. to talk about jumps? Um, we were hard on James Tenyan about some of the drastic ways he jumped forward in like, the pacing of like Joker War. Being like oh we felt like we just got granted And now like all this stuff is happening and like where is this Happening and how is this happening and like yeah. what's going On this Chip Zdarsky Is doing a masterful job of kind of moving The pace and even taking big leaps Like mm-hmm. yeah this book brings in the Justice League and Superman and, and It still deals with it in a kind of way that's Fitting to the story and then we have this Big leap at the end for a, what is Essentially a soft new premise To a whole yeah. new story Which is like City of Safe, right Um you know, Bruce gets so injured and beat up and he can't be saved by the Justice League because this idea and I'm loving that Chip Zdarsky is committing to the idea that because Batman did this and he did it by removing his conscious self from doing it. And so it wasn't Bruce Wayne with like any of the compassions that Bruce Wayne might have. It was a Batman of Xenara who was just, you know, total mission mode Batman. And so this robot really can take down Batman, but therefore by extension, it also has the skills to take down the justice league and non-lethally if it wants to, which is a very interesting way it's going about things. Um, but it is unstoppable and it's not so easy as like some stupid trick. Like, yeah, Batman gets dumped out of a plane to save Superman's life. Cause he's like, well, Superman's going to die if I don't do something, cause he gets poisoned by kryptonite. Like he has to have, he has to draw the robot away. So he dumps himself into the ocean, And passes out hoping Aquaman would save him, wakes up two (laughs) weeks later, and it's a whole different world. Failsafe is locked down Gotham, and it's a whole different kind of story now, right? Um, And so, like, yeah, it's a big comic book story, but the straightforward premise, again, get back in Gotham, shut down, robot. And like you said, Chip Zdarsky is just so good at taking these little bits and pieces of Batman mythos and really... Just jumping deeper inside of them and opening them up and saying, Here's why I've personally sat around a lunchroom and talked about why these things are interesting. <laughs> and like, you're like, Well, yes, you are correct. Like, that is interesting. Like, if Battle Tower of Babel ever did get to like what Batman did to stop Batman, it would be pretty nuts. And this is nuts. So, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying this. And uh, yeah, there's some, it's, it's a sad time. It's a bad time to be going for Batman Burnout because we got this. I don't know if you guys can hear the lawn cutting. People are deciding to cut lawns oh, right no. now. It's, it's awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, Joker, who man who stopped laughing, came out. And now we're
2: up to two Jokers again.
1: We were back down from three to one. Now we're back up to two. So <laughs> to
2: two. yeah. Yeah. And Flashpoint Beyond's hitting. And we also have Batman the Night that's about to end. Like there's yeah. a lot of great Batman stuff out there. Um, I mean,
1: like Batman's becoming more exciting for, for for whatever reason. Nobody saw it coming. But Batman suddenly is more exciting as a per character. So let's move into
2: uh, one of Marvel's uh, equally iconic characters, Spider-Man. Spider-Man got his own number one uh, over here. Now this um, is the amazing is still the core book. Spider-Man kind of ties into that. But the biggest thing about Spider-Man is that it unites two very, I'm trying to find another word, like other iconic, baby, but I guess iconic. I, I mean, very, two very, synonymous character creators synonymous with the character and Dan Slott and Mark Bagley. Uh, these two are, like, have created some of my favorite, uh, Spider-Man stories in the past individually. And now they're, they're coming to me, this.
1: He's why I got into comic books. Oh man. First. Yeah. Comic There's, books. I, the first two comic books I ever got were for myself, my older brother who's 10 years older than me. He had all the ones from the seventies and eighties. And I read those crazy, but the ones I ever bought myself was Jim Lee. It's got uh, it's Jim Lee's, uh, and Claremont's X-Men one. Um the Magneto cover and Spider-Man three Amazing Spider-Man 363, 364, 365, one of those. Uh, the first Carnage uh,
2: um, oh, yeah. issue. Yeah. Yeah. That's there amazing. are certain it would be an interesting discussion at some point to see like what artists define a character for you. For me, like there are artists that define like when I started characters and they will always be synonymous. Joe mad is when I really got into X-Men. Oh yeah. I, I will put that like that. That era is defined by his artwork, right? Mark oh, yeah. Bailey is the same with Spider-Man. There is oh, a, yeah. there's a, that character. I just know his artwork. So having them come together is great. Cause I've, I really enjoyed dance slots. Dance Lot takes big swings with Spider-Man and some of them haven't worked, but a lot of them did. And so having them together here, they they start with the new status quo that Peter is actually working for Norman Osborn um they're actually on the same side for the most part because you know he's like kind of reforming uh, from his green goblin ways and then we kind of move him spider-man into it this is a very spider-verse centric thing it makes that clear pretty early on so if you're not if you were kind of looking for like a solo spider-man title this is not this is not the one. This is very much going to kind of bring a close to the Spider-Verse concept that slot was a big part <laughs> of, of creating, right? Um, so we get a lot of the characters. There is one thing in here that is egregious, and I will say it now, and I'm going to spoil it because it's Friday, so it's been out long enough. I love this issue. I thought this issue was really fun. The banter is like classic Spider-Man. The artwork is great. There's some great splash pages and action sequences that that just kill. Like th- This is a match made in heaven. And I enjoyed a lot of this. However, if you're going to do a death for shock value, do not make it one of my favorite characters, Jessica Drew. How dare you? How dare you, sir? Make it Spider-Woman. That felt so like for all the work that they have done on that character over the past like three or four years. And then to do that here and they even mention it, they even call it out, right? Like she deserves better. Yeah, but that's a Spider-Verse for you. If it's a turnaround thing and <laughs> she's alive in a week or whatever, I'm fine. Right. They needed to kill someone that was important to people. OK, let's let's
1: whatever. I'm with spider face. It should have been cardiac.
2: How dare you? How dare you should not have been cardiac. Why is cardiac not in this book? <laughs> anyway, they <laughs> wanted it to be upset. good. I was upset. How dare you? Cardiac is great. And I've said I dare you like three times. <laughs> anyway, I've, I'm getting very upset. Getting very emotional in my feelings right now. All right. So, you should not kill Jessica Drew. That was total for shock only, and it pissed me off. However, the issue as a whole was fun. I enjoyed it. That's my soapbox. What did you think,
1: Kofi? Um, I've hated the Spider Verse. Uh, I really have. Um, I don't think the comics ever did it well. I think it always just got so hokey. I hated the Spider Totem, Spider Gods, like all that stuff is stupid. Spider-Man got bit by a spider. He became a Spider-Man. You can have other universes where st- that happened to other people. And I think, you know, Into the Spider-Verse came along and embarrassed Marvel Comics in a way. Because the people who made Into the Spider-Verse actually made the Spider-Verse something you can enjoy and care about on a deep emotional level. And you like, the comics never did. The comics never made Spider-Verse an emotional story. It would just always seem so hokey and hacky to throw as many different Spider-Man variants or explain people coming back as you possibly could. And I thought Morlin always looked like a Morbius knockoff who was a weak villain, right? And so I was just like, eh, I, didn't, I have not dipped into any of this. I've purposefully stayed away from Spider-Verse like the plague. That said, I did enjoy Edge of Spider-Verse, which ties into this issue. Um, and I enjoy them, how they're looking to end it now, but I hope they do end it because we don't need this like we started
2: at a very negative place and it got to surprisingly a hopeful
0: (laughs) place
1: yeah no i mean the comments are with me though spider verse is weak on the page man it's just been so weak on the page and like peter parker is the core of spider-man and i love miles morales and he made his own core but like there are other characters but peter parker is the core i like that this is focused on him and If nothing else, I just hope they're learning from the movies and stuff that are doing this much better. Because, like I said, Into the Spider-Verse put the comic book Spider-Verse to shame. Um, And number two looks like it's going to even do in three are going to be even crazier. And I'm even in more for the Madam Web concept of what's happening than I am. If you haven't heard the rumors about Madam Web movie, it's that, you know, you're getting all these spider people who are going to be pulled from their different realities to ensure that Peter Parker gets turned into Spider-Man and that Richard and May Parker get to have Peter Parker. And it's kind of like the Spider-Verse, it's back to the future thing, right? So I'm down for that, but um, I'm just happy they're ending this as well. I think this new villain threat looks stupid.
2: You don't uh, design? I thought okay. The design is super 90s, but yeah, it's also it's a old character, but still, it's, still it's like cool.
1: it's like when they, I mean, they do everything like Baxter Stockman or like King Roach from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like yeah, it's, those characters, those are great characters. Yeah, they are, but they're just it's hokey 90s stuff. Like you even said, it's just like when you start doing like an insect talking, like with the extras. <laughs> <and>, like, <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> no, I'm out. So. Whatever happens here, I mean, I was just happy because Mark, I mean, Mark Bagley and Dan Slott, before it got all spider Versey, I was actually enjoying just the book. yeah. seeing, you know, Spider-Man in his Green Goblin gear, just kind of like trying to deal with that new reality and stuff. Um, That was good to me. But I mean, if this ends Spider-Verse, I'll be happy.
2: Or at least like finds a space that it can like, here's the rules, let's move forward like that. It's not this kind of place of of chaos. I, I I agree. Um so yeah, so that is uh comics. comics. I mean, yeah, JD Smith artist, you are right. Uh Enter the Spider Verse was smart about how it used
1: the Spider Verse to tell a very character focused origin story, right? Um the next one is gonna be challenging because they're going into the full scope of the wildness of it. So we'll see
2: how it, it comes together. Let's to get your better not be dead. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's
1: go. That's the end for comics. That's the end for comic book nation of this episode. Um, If you guys are just now getting into the show, we have two formats. You can watch us and you can watch us on YouTube, on Twitch, when we do our live streams and on Facebook for live streams. Or if you missed the show, you can rewatch it on Twitch or on our YouTube page, YouTube backslash comic book, all one word and nation. If you just want to listen to us as a podcast, we are on all your major podcast platforms. Either way, you should subscribe to both subscribe to our YouTube page for sure subscribe to us on Apple music and leave us a five-star review. If you guys want to get involved in the show, like our awesome comment on the community, please do join us on the live streams and drop notes. Cause we do respond. Well, as the show's going on, shout out to all our fans. Please tell a friend to uh, join our YouTube page and help spread the uh, good gospel of helping us grow the show. We grow a little bit every week, baby. And uh, it's good stuff, but uh, thank you. Uh, you see, speaking of community, we're also getting that movie Finally, does anybody still care? I don't know, we'll find <laughs> out But this has been Comic Book Nation We gotta go, there's so much to write up NYCC is happening, bunch of big developments On TV, we'll have it all for you On the comicbook.com homepage Be sure to check it out And uh, next week when we come in We'll be doing it, we'll be in full Halloween swing Talking about Michael Myers <laughs>
3: So and uh,
1: hopefully Janelle will be back as well but in the meantime, Matt, it's been good uh, hosting a couple Matt and Kofi shows with you. Yeah. It's been uh, it's been a lot of fun, man. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, most good. fun I never want to have again. Wow! All right, wow. that's been Comic Book Nation. Let's get out of here. Peace. <laughs>